There's a whole crowd of men out there who need this. Welcome to the case study. This case study will be marked down in time. Known to all as the record keeper of the historic rise of the woke man. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, welcome, gentlemen. I don't know if any women will be listening to this, but quite frankly, I don't care. What I want is to see the change in man. Yes, that's hurt. The change in man. This is the Woke Man series, where you hear the stories of men who changed, who laid to rest their old ways of thinking, and who opened up and started expressing their truth. Revealing emotion, strengthening their self-awareness, and breaking free from the old paradigm of being a man. This is going to help men find the courage to open up, to break the shackles of toxic masculinity, and to guide them home in becoming a better man. Let's go. Oh, by the way, it's Luca. Luca Reedy from the Feeling Alive podcast. And The Woke Man is a sub-series. You're welcome. Yo, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, listening to The Woke Man series. This is the case study, the case study of a conscious man and the journey of their change. Today, I'm going to keep it quite easy and simple, but today I'm with my brother, Nikula Das. Brother, thank you for joining me. Thank you, man. I really appreciate this series and uh, appreciate this opportunity. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's, it's always beautiful to see where where the uh, guests on this series come from. And like you saw it through someone else, through I think it was Ivan and just it, it, it's funny how, how men are, are finding the series. But it's, it's awesome to have you here, man. I'm looking forward to sharing your story. The first question I have for you, brother, is where did you grow up and where do you live now? Okay, sweet. Well, I grew up in many different places, actually. I was born in Brazil and left there about four years old. I spent a number of years in Toronto, Canada, and then a number of years in Calgary, Canada. And I spent the last decade in the East Coast of Canada. Uh, and that's where I currently reside in St. John, New Brunswick. Wow, man. What, why, why is, I mean, first of all, are you connected back to Brazil at all? Do you spend a lot of time back there or is that, are you more Canadian now? Oh, I'm definitely, I'm, I mean, I grew up in Canadian culture. Um, I came here when I was four years old. Uh, I grew up, my elementary school days, uh, like one to six, were in Calgary, Alberta, which uh, at the time wasn't very multicultural, right? So, uh, you know, I really grew up around what I would just call Canadian culture. And then on the flip side that I came to, I went to Toronto, specifically Brampton, which had a large West Indian. Now, my parents are Guyanese, so West Indian. And... uh, I came back to Brampton or I went to Toronto and there was a large uh, Caribbean culture. And I kind of really fell into that. Kind of my Caribbean blood came out. I started having an accent all of a sudden. <laughs> and, uh, and, then, uh, and then, you know, uh, from there, I have a little bit of the nomadic lifestyle. Um, I was in the music industry for some time. So that let me travel around Canada and I got to see, I, I've, I've seen, I've, I've been to every, province across Canada 
except Newfoundland, but I will hit it up and, uh, and I haven't hit the territories and I will hit those up. And then I'll, I've made it right across Canada. So I've, I've seen a lot of this country and a lot of the U S as well. And, um, I just uh, was drawn uh, later on in life, kind of, I was drawn to the East Coast, do something different. And ever since then, I really fell in love with this place where I'm at now, uh, St. John, New Brunswick. It's a little town. It's a beautiful little city. It's got great old architecture. It's very old. It's the oldest incorporated city in Canada. And, you know, it's got its old challenges. I live in a 120 year old building, wow. uh, but it's really cool and it has a lot of character. And I really appreciate its vibe. That's awesome, man. I haven't had it. I haven't been over there yet, but I hear that like I've got a few friends from Nova Scotia. Well, you're welcome. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to have to roll on over there at some point when things lighten up a bit. How old are you now, Nicola? I am 35. Beautiful, man. Beautiful. And what's, what are you doing for a living? Uh, so for a living, I help men uh, master their sexual energy uh, specifically, I help men live semen retention lifestyle, and uh, and I absolutely love it. And it's the most powerful thing I've ever experienced in my life. And I uh, I teach men along with semen retention how to dovetail spiritual consciousness to their practice, which not just allows for the physical benefits of semen retention, better performance in the bedroom, better lovers for our partners, be able to attract higher quality relationships and stand in our real masculine energy and uh, be powerful, but in the way of a spiritual list. And the difference is that with a spiritualist comes the other qualities, you know, a balanced feminine, compassion, empathy, and uh, really being able to be effective and create great work and service in the world. So I love what I do and, and I've seen men's lives change uh, because of this, uh, this, uh, this specific lifestyle. Oh man, that's beautiful. How, how did this begin for you? How did that, you know, what you're doing now? Like was there, because nine times out of 10, it's always like the problem in our life that leads us to the, the purpose, you know? Yeah, well, it's interesting. So I um, had uh, like, so let's see, um, as I uh, was trying to discover myself and see, so I, I actually, in my early twenties was a, a very local rapper and I would, I would travel across the country, you know, in, and rap, do rap shows, very small. I sold like a couple thousand records independently, but it was cool. I got to like, you know, play with some big artists and, and in my head, I thought like, I'm going to be huge, right? <laughs> but I wasn't very good, but I was super determined, right? And I, I learned, I, I just had this natural instinct, you know, whether a, a karmic intelligence or something that knew like, you could do whatever you wanted. You just have to be so determined and, and you have to actually become it. You have to live it. You can't just, you know, front, right? Mm. And so I, I went into this whole rap thing and I really did it. But I wasn't very good and it wasn't really congruent with who I am because I, I didn't like the performance part of it and I love to entertain. That's why I love doing things like this and such. It's just something that I just really enjoyed doing. But the message and stuff and the lifestyle, it just I just like, I'm like, I can't do that. I can't sustain this. I was hard into the drugs and partying and all that stuff, right? Mm. And, um, and so, you know, I picked up a lot of bad habits uh, around that time. And uh, from that kind of period of time, I started, once I realized that that wasn't going to become my life, 
I really went into this period, you know, you get to say like kind of out of your dark times, you find, you find something. So for me, it was this kind of like period of self-discovery. Well, who am I? And I also recognized like you can change. I was this thing called token. Like I was it. People used to call me token. Just like, right, you know, and I recognized um, that um, we're very fluid in our identities. <laughs> I didn't have necessarily the language, but there was some instinct in me that knew I can reinvent myself. Mm -hmm. And so I started to look for what that means. And that sent me down a spiritual path. A long story short, I spent time over the last, let's say, decade uh, hanging out with Buddhist monks, hanging out with priests, hanging out with healers, shamans astrologers, um, and eventually, uh, you know, going through a series of, uh, of sort of um, discovery, I eventually found myself inside the Hare Krishna order, and uh, I took initiation into this order, and I'm now sharing uh, at semen retention lifestyle because of the things I learned from this particular order and all of that, because originally I was introduced to sex transmutation through... Napoleon Hill's book, Thinking Grow Rich. Hmm. Now, Napoleon Hill, I have so much gratitude for him because the knowledge he brought out is incredible, especially for this time period of uncertainty, that there are laws that are above uncertainty. Uncertainty lives at a certain level of awareness, but there are higher levels of awareness where uncertainty doesn't exist. It's just certainty. Mm -hmm. And those are uh, understanding. So in from a subtle material perspective, you have Napoleon Hill's beautiful teachings and how he describes how you can create success in a very harmonious way. Um, but one thing he doesn't do is he doesn't tell you how sex transmutation is done, but he stresses it like he, he has, uh, you know, I did a video on my YouTube channel over 15 quotes where he stresses and emphasizes that sex transmutation is a must for men who want to achieve higher levels. Now, what he calls success was material success. I'm going to speak a little bit about the, a distinction I want to make, but he did a beautiful job doing that. And that's where I first learned about it. Hmm. So I started chasing success in a very material way. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to do nothing wrong with these things. These things are beautiful things and done in the right spirit. It's, 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 the, it's the way of revolution, right? It's the way of shift. And, um, and so I recognized that and spent a lot of time uh, I, I created this thing called the Freedompreneurs Club. I taught men and women, mainly spiritually based entrepreneurs, how to um, generate sales online and, you know, generate, generate income. I learned from Michael Lozier's like the law of attraction gurus on Oprah and all this stuff. So like some really cool people I met and interacted with, but still for me, something was missing and I didn't really know what it was. And for me, eventually it came, I found it when I read the book Bhagavad Gita, which translates into the song of God. And it's, it's about, uh, it's a very famous text. Have you heard of this text? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Bhagavad Gita is, yeah, a very famous text. It has its origins in India and it's ultimately where the Hindu or, or, or yogic culture comes from. It's the essence of the spirituality that is offered uh, through the Vedic knowledge. And so I read this book, Bhagavad Gita, and I just put this book down and I was like, oh yeah, okay, that, now I, I found it. And what it was, was that we'll never be satisfied unless we have a relationship with God. Now the word God triggers a lot of people, right? In different ways. Mm -hmm. um, and so what I'm trying to do is give the best explanation of what I've discovered God to be 
um, along with semen retention. Mm-hmm. Because what I've noticed is that if you practice something like semen retention, sex transmutation, which Napoleon Hill speaks about, but never tells you how to do it. What I learned in the yogic tradition are different ways to do it. Mm -hmm. How to actually practically do it. And not only now, at first I learned about it in like a brahmachari style where it's like monk, be a monk, no sex. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, I grew up listening to 50 Cent and Tupac Shakur. All right. That's like their rhymes still play in my head along with like all of this like knowledge about philosophy. (laughs) All right. So I've got this interesting like dialogue where I hear like, you know, this kind of like hip hop version of God rapping and saying, okay, dude, (laughs) here's the deal. Like you, you are, you, you're the, all the, what's called samskara. So the impressions that we've grown up with, you know, they're there and we have to deal with them. And so for me, I'm, you know, I have a wife, uh, we're very, uh, we have a passionate relationship, a very fun relationship in the bedroom and outside the bedroom. We're very much friends. Um, and I was like, you know, sex life is going to happen. Like I'm not, I'm no monk. All right. Mm. So I was very, like, I had to be very honest and be like, I can't do this, but there's gotta be something that can help. Uh, retain my semen because I learned of all the benefits of semen retention. Just in case anyone's like, why is he so badly want to retain his semen? Right? It's because there's tremendous benefits. When you speak about becoming a masculine man, a woke man, semen retention will take you there. Accelerated fast track mm-hmm. because it is the core reason why we are unconscious sex. Yeah. Yeah. So with semen retention lifestyle, you are going to the root of our unconscious behaviors and our unconscious patterns and our insecurities and everything that we don't like about ourselves is rooted actually within our first primal sexual desire. This is not making sexual desire bad. Like, see, I grew up in the Catholic church and in the Catholic church, it's like, if you even think of masturbation, you're going to hell. And it's like, it confuses us right at the beginning of life. And we have such mixed messages in our society about sex. It's everywhere, but shh, don't talk about it. Yeah. So I went on this journey. So I'm, I'm at the same time, I'm learning all this knowledge about God. And at, and at the same time, I'm doing the exact opposite of, of brahmachari is I'm exploring sex. <laughs> right. But, but, but I'm kind of like marrying them. And I'm definitely, like I said, I'm no monk, but what I found was this cool set of Taoist monks who had mercy and pity on men like me who are like grew up like most guys. Like I said, my first website, just because my mom's was home was Nas.com. Yeah. Now depending, right. So depending on the generation, they either know who Nas is or they don't. Right. Right. So this is my first website. My second website, (laughs) sex.com. So you talking about like, I was now, now me, um, so that was like grade nine. So I'm like 14. And so porn wasn't a huge thing in my life, but it became a bigger and bigger thing as the phone became more accessed. And by time then, all of these over-sexualized stimulated patterns have already been impressed. So basically, we grow up in a world that's over-stimulated with sex, sex images. It's in our movies. It's in our theaters. It's in everywhere. And, And companies are using your sex and your insecurity to market to you. And to, to get you to spend and consume. So 
sex energy and sex, sexual desire is highly misunderstood and there's no education around it. But in the spiritual scriptures, there's all ton, tons of education about it. And so I started learning this kind of spiritual side to sex. And I found these Taoist monks and this practice, practice of what's called sexual Kung Fu and what I'm calling sexual alchemy, which is where you learn as a man who is still engaged in a worldly life so you have, you're, you're having sex, how to still enjoy sex, retain your semen though. So you get at least the psychological and physical benefits of semen retention, which are just massive. Mm-hmm. And you still get, so what happens is as you retain your semen, your semen gets refined into what's known as ojas in, in Ayurveda, or let's just say it increases your bioelectric magnetic field your energy. You literally become more spiritual, not in a sentimental way, not in like compassion way. That's all elements of being spiritual. Being spiritual literally means transcending. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. And I think we're dumbing down what spiritual means in this age to compassion, love. Those are qualities of spirituality. The essence of spirituality was always about transcending material, material consciousness which is at its very root sex consciousness. So for men who want to wake up to what we call God consciousness or a higher Krishna consciousness, Christ consciousness, Allah consciousness, where you legitimately see the ever living spirit in everything. And that's how you live just interacting with this spirit. Then you have to transcend at least to some degree sex. And I'm no master at this, but I've learned from some really like masters (laughs) <laughs> and they're transcendent, right? They're not like, they're not like into like, you know, they're like, how do I attract more money? And how do I attract more women? But, you know, that's what spirituality is being chalked up to this day and age. But if you go deep enough, man, down the rabbit hole, you eventually get to the point that real spirituality isn't sentimental. It's scientific. It's, it's about transcending this material consciousness. And yeah. the root of it is sex. I mean, man, we could go down this path for hours and just keep diving into that. Uh, but I, I love, I love how that's a big part of your life, and I think it's so necessary for everyone, even just to, to implement just some piece of that knowledge into their life and, and to shift in in a, in a profound way. I've definitely that's found it. sure. Leading on to the next question, maybe it's already <laughs> sorry. Answer, but what, what's one thing you're really good at, man? What thing I'm really good at? Semen retention. <laughs> I had to practice that one. I wouldn't even say I'm that great, but yeah, I'm pretty good at that now. Um, I think I'm good at communicating and organizing. Cool. Communicating. Yeah, I think those two things are, are definitely my strong suit. What's one of your biggest fears right now? Um, how much... Uh, getting serious about making real revolutionary shift on the planet is going to take because we are really speaking of to shift the entire, like the way that we live, meaning right now in our world, we live in a very like such a, like everything is so materially driven, status driven, you know, everything is, is about money, status, power, and uh, which is driven by high levels of insecurity within our psyche. We're, we're controlled ultimately through our insecurity. 
And uh, that's, you know, I, and, and my biggest fear is that as people wake up to it, the, uh, that there will be a, you know, they'll try to stop this awakening from happening because it disrupts the very way that we live. It's very scary actually to make real changes. So I'm, what I'm speaking of is like, for instance, myself and my wife, we are, you know, more and more moving to off, looking at off-grid li living, looking at living in more harmony with nature. How do we really make a revolutionary shift and difference on the planet that's badly needed right now? You know what I mean? Like, like we're like, if you look at the state of our condition, this whole pandemic thing, uh, the whole, um, like, you know, all the social unrest, uh, what's happening with all of this lockdowns and the uh, blatant attack, in my opinion, on our economic system, that we will have to turn to more simple ways and natural ways of living by, by force if, uh, if we don't, like, wake up to real changes that it's either going to happen to us by force or we have to make those changes ourselves. And so that's my biggest fear is actually, like, making those changes. So, so the changes, how would that be like for you physically changing your location and your environment? Physically changing location, taking on simpler lifestyles, right? Like for, for example, myself and my wife have consciously stopped, uh, you know, watching less television at night just so we can spend more time together so that we can be more present in our life. Uh, unplugging, using this great technology that we have to share a message to inspire, to connect and build community and have like awesome discussions, but then know how to turn it off and get to real life stuff like family values. Our, 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 if you look at our society as a whole, th there's a huge breakdown in our family core. We are social animals. We are designed to be in community. We are designed to be at first in good family situations. But our situation right now is that when I say we're so materially conscious, we're so like, look at what our country measures as the highest thing possible. GDP, gross, what is it? Gross domestic production or whatever, right? It means this country is run not for the happiness and well-being of its inhabitants. It's run to make GDP. It's run like a company. Countries and societies should not be run like countries. The leadership, the leadership and what a, a spiritual conscious leadership means in society means is that the, lead, the first aspect and the only country in the world right now that I know of doing this is Bhutan. Bhutan is a small country out in the Himalayas where they have made it, sorry? I love what Bhutan's doing. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they, Bhutan has made, uh, was it gross domestic happiness, their number one measurement by policy. So their first concern by policy, and po there's a large correlation between policy and the way that the culture is then formed. So through this policy that this is what we're measuring, they've made people's happiness more important than their production, which is, gives their people time to chill. Our people are overmaxed, overworked. Then we have to slurp down 30 coffees to get through the day. We got vice opioids like people are scared about a pandemic which i get i'm not diminishing that but man we've had larger issues and i don't want to focus on the issue in the sense of look there's some serious issues that we all know exist in the world but there is a solution but the solution is scary 
The solution is scary. It scares the shit out of you. It scares the shit out of you because once you realize what the solution is, you're like, oh, that's real change, man. That's not like I take different selfies now. I just, you know, I take, I'm talking like get back to nature. So for me, it's the scariest thing that I'm dealing with, but I'm trying to do something that's real, not just sentimental, like not just like it sounds good, real change. Mm-hmm. And I think that we badly need it. I think our, I think that we're in for a real, uh, a real time of transformation on this, uh, on this world right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally, man. It's interesting. It's always interesting hearing different perspectives of like, cause you know, we've, we're all just a collection of our experiences, man. So it's really beautiful to hear and to allow you to share your perspective on here. Um, and you know, I've come a long way too in, in certain the ways, the way that I've sort of seen the world, like, I mean, this will probably go down to another hole, another wormhole, but, <laughs> you know, what do you think about karma and what do you think about life's purpose? Because, I mean, we're getting off woke man topics here, but this is, this is, this sure. is what I want to talk about. But what is it that you think, you know, we've got people that are like Donald Trump running the world, running America, yeah. He's clearly on his he's he's clearly built off his own life experiences, created a certain value value system and belief system and now he's running America. And it? you out out in in New Brunswick uh, has a certain set of experiences, a certain set of values. Do you think, you know, if we go into karma and past life and all that, do you think that we're all here and even the earth in considering the earth in this and mother nature is like living out her karmic system? Do you think that we're all we're all like separate in this, or how do you think this all plays out? Oh well, there are three modes to material nature: right? the mode of goodness, the mode of passion, and the mode of ignorance. So, if we can look at like, if we can look at life, this material world that we live in, in these modes. So, what are some symptoms? So, symptoms of of goodness is like you know, real piety, like philanthropy type work, you know, charity giving, um, you know, taking care of, let's say the community, the family, very kind of service oriented, helping people with their material needs. We would say that is like, like really good, good activity. The world very much lacks this type of spirit. And this type of spirit is very like normally tied in with lots of uh, you know, we do it because it's a business write-off. We do it because it's great publicity. We do it because we know, right? So, so it's, it's like, it's there, but it's very rare in this world uh, right now, this mode of goodness. So, but these are like the symptoms and, and people in the mode of goodness can generate wealth quite easily. They can create, um, they're very stable-minded in this type of thing. And there's, there's all types of things in, in the mode of goodness, but it's much rare. Then we have the mode of uh, Rajas. Um, this is a uh, uh, sex drive, a uh, passion, passion energy. So there's a very passionate energy in the in the world. And I'll show you how the, the day breaks into these three energies. But so just to know the symptom of passion, sex on a material level is passion energy. But so is creating art, and so is doing like shows like this and stuff like like it's it's this is you know is very good because it's philosophical so it's getting into that mode of goodness but th- there's like also like uh, it t- to dr- take a business and drive a movement that requires passion so it's leaving the world of right or wrong but simply just looking at like how these energies are kind of interacting in the world 
And then the third, so this is passion. This is creates life. It's how come we have big civilizations? It's because we have an evolved sexuality, right? We're much, our sexuality is so much evolved that we have all these creative centers to work with. Um, so, uh, and then we have the, the Thomas, uh, the mode of ignorance. So in ignorance, it's things that are very destructive that we deem good. Like, so a, a perfect example of this would be like, let's say alcohol, you know, it's like someone's like, oh, they have some alcohol and they're like, we drink some alcohol. We're like, oh, that's good. But actually it's poison. It's the opposite of good, right? I get what you're saying. It's pleasurable, but pleasure and things that are intrinsically like, we'll say good natured are generally like not that actually like kind of sometimes a little bit, you know, uh, they can contract each other, right? <laughs> Contradict each other a bit. But the point is, I get it. Cause I used to, like I said, you know, uh, stuff like, you know, this is how our culture is. We just grow up doing this stuff, or at least I should say, I just grew up doing this stuff. And most people around me just grew up this normal. I didn't know anything other than that, but through the spiritual path and journey and, and, and learning from all these great masters and learning about transcendence and, and really tapping into higher levels of consciousness, it was like you have to actually go above these material sort of activities. And there are four activities that are very material. They're, they're the same, all animals do these activities. The mode of, uh, so you have eating, sleeping, defending, and having sex. So all animals do this. We humans do these, these four things too. But if that's all we do, then we can also say that all we're essentially doing is living in sort of an animal state of consciousness. We eat, they eat, but we, we eat in restaurants. So we think, we think that's advancing. It's only advancing outwardly. We have done a great job advancing outwardly. But what we're, what we're proposing is real spiritual life is, is actually advancing internally and transcending actually this way of living where, you're, where we're so focused on external that we've totally lost ourselves internally. We can't get along. We can't stay committed. We have vice just controlling everything. We elect people like, like um, we elect leaders. Any one of them does. They're both the same level of consciousness. It's left or right. Who cares? We're talking about up. Up is a better way. Meaning elect material Leaders do material things. Donald Trump is a great businessman. He should be a businessman, <laughs> right? He should do business. See, he runs the country like a business. Business people are not meant to be our leaders. Business people are meant to do business. But because our, our whole society's value system is based on money. We've put business people as leaders. We believe industry should be leaders. No, who should be leaders are educators, philosophers, uh, people who are, are looking at um, deeper aspects to life. We, that means a shift in values. And it's shifting from this external way of living to this internal way of living. Yeah. So. You know, one thing that I ask myself a lot, and it's, it's an interesting thought, it's like, you know, even just running this series, the Woke Man series and helping men, you know, open their eyes a little bit more to their true self, you know, going within, building the internal world, like you say. But what if my, what if my beliefs aren't the right way? 
And, you know, like what if your beliefs aren't the right way? Because we are so passionate about it because we know how it's impacted our lives. And it's like, it's an interesting question I'd love to hear your perspective on. It's like, what if what you're saying isn't the right way? What if what Trump's saying isn't the right way? You know, we we all have that assumption anyway, but like what if that person's, our, our beliefs in ourselves, it's a really interesting question, is like, oh, maybe it isn't. Because I know what you're saying. It's like be, more, be, be a good person, like inherently, innately, and to think more about um, existing in this world with others in, in a peaceful state, right? What if, You know, it's, it's an interesting thing, man. Like what if our beliefs aren't the, the way that others are meant to live? What if they're meant to just go about their life in this, in this journey and, and live in that like internal state of suffering? You know, well, that, I mean that's fine, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't try to uh, uh, do something to awaken mm-hmm. that innate nature or consciousness within us all. So it's not—it's not really about belief systems. It's that's the thing, right? Like, it, it people will hear it at different levels, right? Every message will be received at uh, a person's ability to comprehend the depths of each message. So this means that. Some people, for instance, will listen to me and they'll say, well, he's just harping a belief system, right? And my belief system is different. And I get that clash. I mean, we'll never get over that. The only way we'll get over that if somehow, if you hear beyond my words to hear that, is that it's actually moving above belief systems. So the realization is I am soul. I am pure consciousness. Because I'm pure consciousness, I have an awareness that I am uh, above my religion, above my politics, above my belief systems. I think it should play out this way. You think it should play out that way. Yes, and we'll debate that all day long. That, that's, not nece- that's not a bad thing. That will be done in harmony with, when everybody is, un- what, what we're trying to get at is that when you can go above in yourself of your own beliefs. When I can say, yes, I get what you're saying. My, my beliefs may not be, the uh, be-all, end-all beliefs, um, but I'm definitely willing to share them and, and see what value that it can bring to the table as others bring their beliefs. But we can do this, but if we don't have the higher level of consciousness to say, but I understand that at a deeper level, what I'm bringing to the table and what you're bringing to the table are our beliefs, so we can, har- we, can, we can have a harmonious debate and we can actually work to see what are the elements that do work together, right? And, and really create, because at a, at a deeper level, we understand we are all part and parcel of what some people call God or Krishna or Allah or Christ or the living spirit is that we are somehow part and parcel. Now, some people say, I don't believe in that. But what we're saying, it's not a belief. You have to realize it for yourself. It's a realization. Mm-hmm. right like. it's whatever it's it's so so i get it I, I i think it's such a great question and that's why i'm saying like it doesn't matter joe biden donald trump this they're operating at a certain level of consciousness that is designed to fight each other we will fight each other but not in the same manner <laughs> right like like it's like okay cool now let's work this let's come together i like that harmonious debate I like that, man. That's a good point. Yeah. What's your favorite quote, Nicola? My favorite quote. Yeah, I like the. I think it's if you if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. 
If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Plan to fail. Interesting. That comes from your organizational interests, your 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 skills. So what like yeah. what does that mean for you? What does that mean for you? Well, I, I mean, uh, from from a very practical standpoint, uh, it's funny. I was telling my wife, uh, you know, just we were on a drive here and just chatting. I was saying, you know, you know how it gets done if it goes on the schedule, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. as simple as that, right? It's like plan your day, plan your day around your real values, and and one, see how scary it is. <laughs> like, so, so let me give you some practical examples. So, uh, as I've gone deeper and deeper and tried to make changes in my own life to live more uh, harmoniously, live simpler, spend more time in spiritual cultivation and cultivating my family uh, life as, uh, rather than just chasing business is that I had to really deal with the fear of scarcity, the fear of letting go, uh, like uh, of, of will I be happy? Well, this, this seems boring. Uh, I'm giving up all the pleasures to live this kind of simplistic life. So, there was a lot of wrapped, wrapped around that. And I was saying to Sarah, you know, with some of the things, it's just like, we just have to plan it and stick to the plan. And that's what Napoleon Hill teaches. And, and it's, you know, instead in many different scriptural ways that ultimately uh, having a deep uh, faith in your actions and in simplicity uh, will take you, you know, to really beautiful places. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, man. What's a conscious man to you then? I think a man, as you described, I think a man that is, uh, is, is aware of himself and his own need to improve. Mm. Somehow or the other, he's come to a state that says, I'm going to make some changes and I'm, I'm going to consciously, I'm aware that I'm going to make some changes. So it's someone who's, who's consciously creating themselves to be something new. I think it's the beauty of human life. We can transform, right? Yeah, yeah, I love that, man. And what's one thing challenging you right now? Well, I think in my own life, it's my my uh, again making these changes over over time, um, living more simply, unplugging from um, so much social media and um, sort of external stimulants, and spending more time. Uh, in my own sadhana and practice. So I'm doing really well. I would say I'm doing really well. And I'd say it's just still a challenge because uh, it's just, it goes against the grain a bit of what everyone's doing. Right? Yeah, for sure, man. I can feel that. Good on you though, brother. I appreciate that. What, what's unconditional love mean to you, Nicola? Oh, like that's what we would call a godly love or right? Like divine love, right? It's, it's like causeless. It has no cause. It just simply is. Mm, has no cause like that it's causeless no one said that yeah i like that has no cause yeah that's good man that's good that says it what about a greater power i mean come on we've already figured that one out with you but (laughs) does this guy believe in god (laughs) yeah yeah so clearly yeah clearly i'm yeah yeah yeah. clearly i'm into god yes i believe in the greater power um but i don't but i don't believe i i do believe I don't like the word believe. That's my problem. Uh, but, but I get how, like, I think it starts with belief. I don't want to diminish belief. I think people out there have a great belief in God. But I want to share, too, that it can be, God can be realized through uh, an actual practice. And that's what the yogic system was about and is about, actually. And it is what all religious processes are about in their own ways. 
but many rivers lead to the same ocean. That's, you know. That's a good one. Many rivers lead to the same ocean. What about Paramahansa Yogananda? Do you, do you, have you read much about him? Yeah, I read his autobiography of Yogi. I say it definitely inspired me for sure to go down the yoga uh, path. And um, I joined a little bit of his self-realization school and uh, I never stuck with that. It didn't, it wasn't the path for me, but I so appreciate him, his work and how many people he's brought to God and Christ and Krishna consciousness. One thing I really appreciate about him is because, you know, is that um, he respects uh, both the Christian, he, he used Jesus a lot mm. as a way to pull people to God and he used Krishna. And so in a way, I really resonate with the way he presented it in such a universal way. And I, I hope I could just do him a little justice in, in what I'm trying. Yeah, I love that, man. I definitely respect him a lot too. Tell me about, you know, think about the average person. That's, a, that's an interesting way to say it. Think about someone who, you know, um, I'll rephrase that. Think about someone who uh, might not have this perspective that you and I have about God or spirituality and they're just sort of opening up to this path and we say, you know, God can be realized within. How does one look at that from from starting from scratch? Or like, because that sounds absurd to some people. But I, 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 I know you, I get you, I get it. But what yeah. we, how would one so, look for God? Yeah, I think... I think, first of all, if you're already tuning into something like this, then your search has already begun, you know, and, uh, and how deep down the rabbit hole someone wants to go is an individual choice and journey. And what I would say is right at the beginning, all I, I, I can only offer you what I did, you know, uh, but everybody's going to come to it a bit different. I can give you a general kind of answer to think about, uh, but quickly, what I did was I started exploring so I read and picked up and listened and went, you know, to, again, I was with Shambhala Buddhists for a while. I was with priests. I still am friends with people of all different religious and, and spiritual and healing practices. And I'm very much just open to possibilities. Mm -hmm. And then you'll have your own realizations that will start to open you up. But when you find a genuine teacher, when I say genuine, you'll have to decide what that, that's the tricky part, right? What is genuine? What is not genuine? It's so difficult to know, right? And so I think that we have to just check in with ourselves. It kind of says when the, when the student is ready, the teacher will show up. Yeah, man. So there's, so there's like generally like just start exploring and opening up. Know why. There's four main reasons why people come to any kind of spiritual life. You're distressed. You're tired of this way of living and you're looking for something different. Mm -hmm. You're curious. Maybe you're just like, what is this? Like, okay, something just piqued my interest. I might not even know what, and I'm just going to go check this out because there's something there. All right, so you're curious. Uh, you're, you're a seeker of truth. You're lifting up and turning, and you don't want to just read it. You want to experience it. You want to live it like you're seeking actually within. You're moving beyond watching to, uh, to uh, acting. And... Um, and uh, Either that or um, you're looking for wealth, right? A lot of people come to spirituality, spiritual principles at least, by understanding like, you know, think and grow rich, right? Mm. And But there's very spiritual concepts in that. Like to create success, most people who are creating any type of entrepreneurial ventures or uh, uh, sustainable projects uh, 
understand that they must use some spiritual principles to make that come into fruition. So many people understand this at this point. Mm. So these four reasons are why people come to spirituality. Um, me personally, I'm looking for those who want to go uh, uh, down the rabbit hole of like, what is God? And can we actually realize and discover God in our life? Which is not for everybody. I get that. And that's totally cool. Mm, beautiful, man. Let's get into your personal story, Nicola. Talk sure. to when you what your life looked like as, as unwoke, unconscious, unaware, and compare that to this man presenting himself today. Yeah, sure. Um, so like just kind of wild, like, like I'm still like a bit wild. Like I think uh, like in the sense of like, like free, like I didn't really, uh, I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. I didn't see the point in school or, like I did school. I never did that well at school. I didn't do bad. I, I did enough so that mom and dad wouldn't like be mad. <laughs> yeah. Which also was something I had to change because now I wanted to be, now I want to be successful at what I do. I want to share this in a way that's meaningful and right. And so now it's like, I can't just do, that's one of the beauties about this spiritual path. It's real. Like it makes real life changes, you know? So one thing is I had less integrity. I have more integrity. Am I, am I a saint? No, I'm definitely not a saint, but I have more integrity than I had back then. Um, I'm more responsible now than I was back then. These are the big things, right? Like, it's like, actually, like, my values are different, right? I, in my early 20s, it was all about, you know, all about the Benjamins, baby, right? You know, right? right? Like, it was, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, it was, you're right. it was about, it was about, it was about a certain car and a certain look and a certain attitude and, and now it's about life. Now it's about like, who am I? What am I? Uh, uh, what is this body capable of? What is this mind capable of? And what is, what is God? Like, what is, what am I here? So what, what, what the difference is the question that drives me every morning is different. The motivation is different. Mm -hmm. Interesting, man. What was your biggest vice? And, and you're 35 now. How long are we going back? Like 20s, 25 like for vices back when this 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 older version of nicola was around oh 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 let's say 27 was the real shift so it's been about seven years of like trend like what i would say grind like i'm on like i don't i don't want to say i'm coming out of anything because like look when you're 100 feet in the mud and you come up 20 feet you think you've improved but then you really but you're still in the mud right so i don't i want to be very careful here <laughs> all right but but the mud is a little less so so my less muddy life is like it's really as less as least muddy as it's been in ever yeah cool right that that i that i can attest to for sure and say and that less muddiness that that real like painstaking stuff um and, and who knows what's in the future um, you talked about karma, 100%. We have all kinds of karma that we have to go through that may have not even fructified yet. So we don't know uh, how things will play out. But um, what I would say is about seven years ago, and just recently, like super recent, did I start um, like preaching, uh, like becoming a preacher in that way, like really like saying, hey, we should take this God consciousness thing against serious. And that's not specific to a religion. Yeah. Like, like we should take this guy, Jesus serious. And these other guys too, like not just Jesus, but everyone, like everyone, like Buddha serious and Krishna serious. There's a message. Because there's, 
Yeah, that's right. That's right. There's something real. It's not just floofy, right? It's not just like, oh, love, compassion. Yes, that's part of it. But you see, those words are so like, they come with nothing. Yeah. They come with nothing these days that they're just like, all right. Product, isn't it? It's a byproduct of a way of being. That's right. We don't actually like spiritualists, like yogis, thousands of you weren't like, like going after love and compassion. We're all, this is only being said because it's like, come, whoa, whoa, slow down. Like at least have love and compassion people, right? Like at least do that. Come on. Right. Like it wasn't the, it wasn't the goal, right? The goal was transcendence. The goal was like serious spiritual sadhana, man. Like, you know, like go for it. Like go for some, not, not belief, not blind belief, real experience, which means you have to practice. Yeah. It's a practice. So what, you have to practice spiritual life. Yeah, yeah. What was this vice that got you, man? Tell me about that. Well, I mean, I have many vices. Smoking weed was definitely one of those big, big one for me. I mean, my rapper name was Token. I literally promoted smoking weed as a lifestyle. <laughs> as much as I've, I've turned more people onto weed than God. So I don't know what I'm doing out here. <laughs> I literally traveled the country with a big marijuana fly behind me, right? Like. <laughs> uh drinkings you know i love this series because it's like we can see a real journey man and because like <laughs> just don't get how real we are and and it's like we've come through the mud like you say ourselves to go there is a better path guys you know and token man geez that's so good yeah so, totally man big one like porn porn alcohol yep. Porn, porn later, porn, not alcohol, not so. I mean, I did definitely go on binges. And I mean, I've tried a lot. Like, I remember three days of ecstasy in Montreal, just like, oh. <laughs> just, oh, yeah, just fist pumping it, like, four o'clock in the morning. Like, no one's in the club other than me and, like, three people. I'm just like, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, so, I mean, you name it, right? Like, you know, all, all, all of it, right? Like, I, I, I wouldn't call those vices, but I definitely did it. Yeah. Uh, but vices, weed, you know, weed still is, is like a thing for me. Like, you know, I get excited. I want to smoke. But that pattern's there. So that's something I really got to just be conscious of and, and yeah. make sure that I'm in my sadhana and in my practice and that I'm, you know, being real about it and just being open about it. Mm. Porn wasn't huge, but definitely porn later on and like masturbation and stuff. And of course... I started learning about all the benefits of semen retention and just mm. how it enhances every aspect of your willpower, your life. It's, it's, and it's taught, again, I mean, the whole thing came to, from, I learned about sex transmutation through Napoleon Hill. I started going down this journey, searching for success principles, success principles learned into spiritual principles. I was like, okay, I grew up in the Catholic church. This reminds me of what Jesus said. This reminds me of what Jesus said. But I, for me, I just couldn't like connect in the Catholic church. Like I just, I just, I just wasn't, I didn't have the right mentors or teachers in that environment. But, uh, and then, and then I picked up like the Vedic, the yogic knowledge and, you know, through Yogananda. And then I eventually I came to a, who are my spiritual master, Srila Prabhupada, and uh, he's passed now and I, but initiated in his order. And uh, when I read his stuff and he gave it like raw and real, and he really just talked about like character development. And he was like, this is the path is actually like developing ourselves as good gentlemen, good men and sex control must be there and uh you know and he wasn't against sex you know he said like you know yeah you're gonna have sex but you know we have to be uh like we we, we just unless we have some 
kind of control there and awareness around our sexual energy and how much it's playing into our lives and our psyche and our actions and decision-making process, normally at a very unconscious level, when we make all that conscious, then you realize like higher levels of yourself. Like you, you don't just believe. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful, man. What about the emotions? How did that get you? You know, which one challenged you most? Anxiety, anger, shame, guilt, fear, sadness, anger. Yeah, man. I was like, what, what, what? Like always revved up. Like just revved. Like, like, like just walk around like, yeah. Well, I felt like I was hard, you know, but I'm not hard. I'm not hard. Right. It's like, <laughs> but I had really big dudes around me. I had a friend, Arun, big guy, needs guy like me. Right. And, um, but he's big, big guy, man. Plays football and all that stuff. He plays football in the U S he coaches and stuff down there. I think, you know, and anyways, I grew up uh, just as one of buddy and, you know, so I would act hard, but only because I had that guy. But yeah, I was, I was quick to, to, to like ignite quick to, but I recognize that's a lineage thing that's in my blood, meaning uh, my, like that's the family trait that uh, I've spoke to a lot of my family about. And many of them I've seen, you know, really transcend, um, be able to start transcending that, that inherent anger and frustration that's been in my own family's bloodline. That's incredible. Cause there, yeah, there is a lot of uh, research now going on about like, you know that epigenetic pass down well not only epigenetic pass down but the genetic sort of um influence you know there's a book yeah called, didn't start with you you know six seven generations down it can go jesus said you carry the sins of your father what that means is that as your mother and father acted whatever their vices were are sitting in your blood and it's not necessarily them it's it's generation generation like who knows how long who knows how long that goes back the point is is that so one conscious person in our lineage one actually becomes awake and can literally through the building of their energy transform your blood you literally transforming it's about changing bodies transcending your body into a new body so i see my retention so deadly at this <laughs> so deadly it's the opposite it's life-giving because yeah. what it does is it, it actually heats your body up and, and allows you to have more energy. Now think about like, if you want to fuse a new structure, right? You need a, a tremendous amounts of energy to refuse something. So what, so in the spiritual path, you take on a new lifestyle that literally refuses you. It's a new body. Mm-hmm. Everything is experienced through the body. People want wealth. Great. You have to have a, you have to have a wealthy body, meaning your body has to be programmed by your thoughts, emotions, and actions, which actualizes an action to have wealth. You have to take actions like a wealthy person. You have to be around the vibration of wealth. You want beauty. You want fame. You want this. You want that. So here's, here's, here's six things that everybody's after. Beauty, fame, intelligence, like schooling, intel, um, power renunciation some people want to be detached and be totally renounced and what's the last one wealth did i say that i can't remember i can't remember i don't think so these qualities everybody's after oh strength i believe uh, one was strength these qualities everyone's after well in the vedics it says that God or the source or whatever, Krishna, Christ, this living spirit is the source of all of those qualities. So all those qualities are actually spiritual by, by its raw form. 
its real form is spiritual. So that's why we're all attracted to those qualities. It's why all we want them. We desire them. We desire what's attractive. Mm-hmm. So attractive. So we, so attraction is, is normal. It's spiritual. But when we're materially conscious, when we forget that our real essence, who we really are is spiritual. And this body is more like an avatar or a car that we're sitting in. <laughs> right. Mm. We think that the purpose of life is to then please the body. And so therefore that's where all of our lust or anger. And that's why sex is like that. The root of it is like, we're after our little biology is pushing us to reproduce. Like when a man says I'm horny, he's saying I want to reproduce at a very biological level. So now take all of that energy, which is like pushing you into this sort of material kind of thing and harness it upwards. Mm-hmm. Meaning after you retain your semen for a certain amount of time, your your by nature's design see nature doesn't waste anything nature is very uh efficient (laughs) and nature goes hey you're not using what i've put in your balls to do right like that's supposed to be going to make a new baby so what your biology does is it takes all your best stuff it takes all the best proteins and enzymes and nutrients and puts it into your semen and that's what goes into semen production it takes about 60 drops of blood to make one drop of semen so it's a ton of energy your body goes into producing this vital life force now when the body doesn't ejaculate and a man holds this semen what happens is right about seven to ten days depending on your sexual habits and health there's you know different factors the body then reabsorbs this semen back into the body and redistributes it, giving men more. It actually stimulates your testosterone. So there's studies that show about seven to 10 days of, of someone who's ejaculated, let's say daily, which most men are doing, right? They go seven to 10 days. Within seven to 10 day mark, there's a huge spike in their testosterone. And now why? Because your testosterone, your, your biology is literally going, hey, hey, hey. Look, you, my friend, need to reproduce. So since you're not reproducing, we're going to take all this good stuff. We're going to put it back in your body. We're going to reinvest in you. So to give you maybe deeper voice, brighter eyes, brighter skin, it's literally going to make you more attractive. This is why a lot of guys come to semen retention. It's because it gives you this attraction factor to the opposite energy. So a lot of men realize that they can attract women to them if they retain their sexual energy. Now that's just the first level of semen retention. So in this way, you can experience multi-orgasms that are non-ejaculatory. This is, you know, guys talk about getting into like heightened states, almost like LSD trips and stuff based upon their ability to hold energy within their body. Now, as your body reabsorbs everything and redistributes it, it's going to start to build an excess of semen. So it's going to like water. When you heat up water, it turns into gas, gas flows upwards. So what happens is you begin to hold your semen for longer periods of time and you start gaining an excess of energy. This excess of energy is, is the nature has to use it, but because you're not letting it out, it heats it up and refines it into a gas. This is what our Veda, the yogis called ojas. And ojas begins to flow upwards, 
nourishing all of your brain and your glands and your centers, also giving you all the physical uh, benefits. Uh, you know, I struggled to grow a beard until I started practicing semen retention as one physical like sign. Man, for my whole life, I just had these stringy like, <laughs> it was real weak, right? You know, I got a pretty decent beard now, right? And so the, the whole idea is that this becomes your aura. So this aura, now depending on the individual, they're gonna, guys will use this power, let's say, at different ways. So the conscious man hopefully is using it a way that's beneficial to others, you know? Yeah, totally. You can use all this creativity to help, help the world, which again, I'd like to call out really needs. Yeah. Well, how many days do you think is a good amount? You said seven to 10, but like, is there a maximum amount that you would hold your semen in for? Uh, no maximum. I mean, like, you, this is where, like, you talk about some. What's that? 1,000 days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's guys, like, I, I tend not to be all crazy, like, about it, like, in that sense. Especially, like, you have to, like, think. If you've, let's take the average guy. So I discovered masturbation at, like, you know, whatever, 9, 10, 11 years old, right? On a, on a Cub Scout trip. Animal. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know what? I'll tell you, I'll tell you just quickly the story. All right. You want to know how much of an animal I was. <laughs> so, so, you know, we're assigned all these tents and there's like a two, three, four guys to a tent. It's like, we're nine, 10, 11 years old. Well, I wake up and this one guy, kid is humping his, uh, his, uh, what do you call it? Sleeping bag. He's just going at it. Right. And he's like, man, you've got to try. He was so open. He's like, man, you got to try this. It feels great. <laughs> wow. so i flip up and i'm just right i start going at my sleeping bag and uh i'm like wow that's my discovery of masturbation this is why our sex ed is our, our sexual education like one of the things i would love to see in our world is a more comprehensive sexual education for both men and women because right now right now i mean most people are, are learning sex all our younger generation is generally learning sex from porn hmm yeah, yeah, which is causing I mean, that's a whole other show, but uh, yeah. it's the right, you know, it's just causing tremendous, tremendous amounts of uh, problems. Yeah. And so anyways, um, yeah, so I discovered masturbation like that. And then so like most guys, you know, once once you discover masturbation, you're like, hey, this is good. And you learn by by you learn by by proxy, you learn by culture that that's normal. Everybody masturbates is fine. And I'm not demonizing masturbation. It's not like, a, you know, oh, this is bad or anything like that. But why, why it was considered in, like all, you look at all religious practices, spiritual practices that are talking about transcending, they all have some form or the other of control to sex because it's, it's the thing that elevates us above the animal consciousness. And so, um, yeah. So after, after, oh, sorry. <laughs> I kind of went on a tangent and forgot the original question. That's all right, man. It was just talking about how many days maximum do you think is like a good one? <laughs> okay, maximum. So point is this. Every guy is different. Everyone should, should work with who they are. So for me, I've been masturbating most of my life. Over the last about four years now, I've been practicing semen retention. Uh, I remember just starting by going two weeks at a time, two weeks at a time, 30 days at a time, 30 days. I've done 90 days, right? But I'm also not hard. I've also done some times where I'm like, you know, me and my wife, we're just, we're at it more. And so, you know, uh, a lot of times, like I have sex, but I don't ejaculate. And now minimum, minimum is once a month. I'll only ejaculate once a month at this point in my life. Yeah. But 
that may go longer. Like I'm definitely over that now. I'm like, you know, whatever, 40 days since the last time, something like that. Yeah. I don't really count anymore either. It just becomes a lifestyle. It just becomes, yeah, yeah. but when I ejaculate, I'm not going to carry guilt or shame or anything around me. I think like the fact, if you can go, right. If you can go, like you just be where you're at and, and work your way up. And, and I, I'm not a big fan of the like a thousand days and it's, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a fan of it. Great. But if that's what you can do, it's great. But it doesn't mean that everybody should gun for that right away or that that's a standard in which should even be, you know, like reasonable for most men at this point in time, right? Mm -hmm. Cool, man. Thanks for sharing that. Now, tell me, whose love did you crave most growing up and who did you have to be to get it? Whose love did I crave the most? And who did I have to be to get it? Hmm. Man, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, uh, I've done work in the past on like, you know, both my relationship with my mother and my father. I think that I think that I wanted, uh, I think that I, I had mom's love. I think dad's love probably. And who I had to be was a little bit more of like, I actually, I'll change that answer. I think my older brother, that resonates more. My older brother, six years older, even we laugh about it now, like when we play ping pong or something, we went to the arcade the other day and we were like shooting the basketball hoops and he, and he beat me. And I was like, like, I still have little brother syndrome, like still can't beat my older brother, but I did beat him in ping pong the other day. I felt good about that. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say Kev, Kev is my older brother. I would say him and who I had to be was like, you know, I kind of like, I didn't, I didn't, uh, this was totally unconscious, uh, but growing up, I always was intrigued with things like drama. Uh, like I really wanted to do more drama, more plays, um, art, this type of stuff, right? Maybe even like the school union and stuff, but I ended up just playing sports, soccer, because that's what Kevin did and that's what dad did, right? So I just ended up just kind of doing that. So I think I just felt like I needed to be that guy, that sports guy, it's into like that stuff. But actually growing up, I, I, it was fun. I like it. And I'm, I'm very grateful for the experiences. Um, uh, but in my now who I am, I'm much more allowing myself to explore those sides of life and sides of me that I thought weren't so masculine. I didn't have a masculine necessarily model around those other aspects of my, of my uh, makeup that I have mm. that weren't generally like modeled anywhere around me. Not till later on in life that I find models for that and be like, oh, there's oh, there's like a manly dude and he loves art or there's a manly dude and he's dancing or he's he's planning on plays and he's acting. And in fact, there's like, it's you know, it's just, you know, those little belief systems we get into. For sure. If we go a little bit lower now, um, back into your, you know, a darker period of your life or um, a more challenging period of your life. What was, what was that low point? Tell, tell us a little bit about the, one of the lowest points of your life. And the question that I ask every man that comes on this episode, in that period or in another period, was suicide ever an option? Um, suicide uh, was never an option for me. I've been fortunate never have to go into that dark of a place. I've had people around me go into that place and it's quite difficult to watch. Mm. Um, and my heart goes out because I've had people very close to me go into, into very dark places. So one aspect is that like, I guess, I mean, I've had many dark times in my life, right? Like I've had periods, but 
kind of on that note is that, um, you know, my, my wife went through a period where she got very sick and, uh, we had to spend about six months apart. I, um, yeah, we had to spend about six months apart where she was away and, um, financially and what we could do. And, uh, just the circumstances were that, uh, this aspect of life, I, we had just started our online business. She got really sick. So she went to live with her mom to get better and was going to the hospital and, and doing all of these treatments and such. And I um, was in a place where uh, I had lost my license because of not paying bills and fines. Um, I was, so I was like, uh, my wife was in here. She was very sick and going through her own dark times. And so I'm, I've got that. I, we moved into this building that I've owned for about a decade, but kind of neglected and was so overwhelmed with, but now feel inspired because we're turning it into a spiritual center called the Hare Krishna house where people are going to be able to come here and experience meditation and uh, teachings and, and spiritual life in the way the Vedas are presenting it. And so I'm really inspired by this place, but this place was a huge burden. And so I just moved back in here because we had to do something. We'd started our business, but it was just getting started and she got sick. And at the same time, I'm going deeper down this path of discovery of God consciousness and lifestyle changes, just really like, and this was just a few years ago, really transformational. I just got initiated into the order and it was like, whoa, there's just a lot going on. And, and so for about six months, I spent, I would say almost by myself, maybe three, four days, I saw other people in that six months. Hmm. And I went deep into sadhana, deep into spiritual practice. I was living extremely like, almost like a, like a, like kind of like a withdrawn recluse type of time of my life. I was still doing things online, but you know, very much unplugging and doing my thing and just spending that much time by once by myself, just gave me so much to reflect on about and seeing my wife going through what she was going through and being alone how much relationship and that's where I think a lot of what I want, my values that I say aspire to became real to me mm. where I was like, man, this thing that we call life is precious, man. Yeah. It could be over tomorrow. Like we don't know. We don't know when it's up. Totally. And, uh, and so it really shifts like, like when, you know, it really helped shift me into a, 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 a time where I was like, I was started to willingly make changes. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, you know what? Let's get our priorities straight. This is a conversation I have with myself. Let's get, let's get my priorities straight here. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's when I went deeper into my own spiritual practice and understanding and really wanted something solid. And, uh, and it's also, um, when my wife did come back and we were together, we, I saw how much she had grown and changed and just blossomed through that. So funny, like the dark period, which has helped me grow even more. And we came to some real great understandings of each other at new levels. So that was a real tough time, but a super grateful time in retrospect. <laughs> Never when you're going through it though. So that's why it's always tough. Yeah. <laughs> 
but it's always it's beautiful in hindsight. But yeah. good that you've got that. I mean, it's beautiful that you have that mindset to always look back and look upon the the gifts that it gave you, man. And that's a very very empowering uh, tool to have in the in, in the spiritual toolkit, man. What what about the moment of awakening for you? What was a significant moment of awakening for you, Nicola? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like, kind of like the, the exciting one, I would say that, like, I, I'd say spiritual awakening happens over consistency in time, like anything else, right? It's something to work for. We hear about these spontaneous, spontaneous, I, I don't, you don't know that word. Spontaneous. Um, thank you. Spontaneous. <laughs> um, we hear about spontaneous, like enlightenment and since he's big, like, you know, kind of like, Oh, I saw the light or I heard the voice and, you know, and we're kind of like, kind of thinking that's what it is. But I would say that more practically, it's very, uh, it's very like actually quite uh, normal. It's like getting up every day. So every day I get up and I chant, uh, I do about an hour and a half to two hours of meditation every day, plus uh, some Qigong sexual alchemy practices. I read, I talk to people. I've created a business where I'm teaching people sexual alchemy practices to improve both bedroom performance as partners, as men showing up as better lovers and husbands and, you know, being able to use sexuality for spiritual realization and, and uh, success, how to transform it into, you know, generating business and relationship and lifestyle. And so um, the, the point is, is that I would say that it's happened slowly over time. But the most fun one, I guess the real kind of like, you know, say the awakening happened after. Um, so I was looking to give up weed and I tried to, you know, I did the whole like, okay, I'm going to throw everything out and blah, 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 blah. And at this point, I've been smoking weed for like 10 years straight daily. Like get up, hit the bong, go to work, hit the bong, come home, hit the bong. <laughs> right, you know, like that's like that, like just being high was just normal. Like that's you know, and so I was like, I got to get rid of this. Boom, 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 man. The the first day I was all like, yeah. Second day I was like, oh my god, uh, I couldn't stand it, couldn't sit. I was emotional. I was like, can you withdraw off weed? No, go online, the Almighty Google. All right, it's coming. Oh yeah, man. First thing, depending how long you can be smoking, you could be dealing with this for a few days to a few weeks to a few months, months. How long was it? For I was like, well, what ended, it ended up being really quick only because at the time I was following a shaman. And so what happened was, is I reached out to the shaman and I said, and it was the first time I really took action in a very spiritual way to heal. At that point, I'd just been reading lots of books, kind of thinking about it, like intrigued, but never really like doing something. So I, I messaged this shaman, Eagle Spirit is her name. And I said, look, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm dealing with. Can you help? And she's like, yeah, come see me tomorrow. As about an hour and a half, two hour drive. So the next day, all like, uh, you know, <laughs> feeling all nasty. I'm driving up to see Eagle Spirit. Of course, my, my voice in my head is going, what? This lady's name is Eagle Spirit. How much is she charging for this session? <laughs> what, what am I doing? But something was just like, just keep going. Like, just shut up and just go. You need something. 
And at that point I was desperate. So, you know, those desperate times is when we surrender, when we actually open up, right? Yes. So I, was dead. I was just, I need something, not something. And whatever, I'm already halfway there. I'll get a burger or something along the way. <laughs> and and so, what happened there? She... So anyways, I, yeah, I go up there. Long story short, she does this healing session. Halfway through this healing session, I literally feel like this weight, like just kind of release. You know, I get up off the table and I'm different. Mm. I'm just like, whoa. Everything is like vibrant. Everything's alive, super present. I drive home. Me and my wife meditate. We never meditated before together. We've always talked about doing it. Boom, we sat there. We meditated together. It was just such meditative, still kind of energy. And man, I lived like that. Like it was like kind of crazy. You know, I, I was heightened in senses. I, I could see like in the morning, especially I could see like the waves and lines within the, the lights. And it was real like, like kind of trippy really present but then slowly and then i mean i lived like that for a while and then and then slowly um what ended up happening was i like about six months of like kind of living like this very meditative clean everything you know then all of a sudden it was like you know i went to a party and i was feeling like yeah yeah you know what i'll smoke a little drink a little and then a little smoke a little drink and then next thing you know, a lot of smoke, a lot of drink. Next thing you know, all the old habits flood back in. But, but, that, but that conscious spark never left. So now I was suffering more. See, before I was suffering but didn't know why I was suffering. Now I'm suffering, but I know exactly why I'm suffering. So it's even worse because I'm like, ah, <laughs> oh, damn. I, uh, responsibility this is why it's like that's why it comes down to like responsibility and doing the right thing and you know inherently what the right thing is but it's scary to do it because it's talking it's real change and so since that point that was like kind of my big awakening i recognized as i kind of fell back into all the old habits and the, the old like frustrations and angers all started reappearing i was like i need a practice i need i need to like that's when i started actively seeking a path Mm. I was like, now, but now my journey wasn't exploration anymore. My journey was, I need to find a path, a home where I can sink in and, and get serious about this. Yeah. And so I did, you know, by the time then I was well into the Vedic knowledge and stuff. And I was going down the path of yoga. I found Srila Prabhupada, the Hare Krishnas. It resonated. Amen. Oh, and so that's been my life. And so, yeah, I know when we speak originally, because we yeah, everybody that believes in their way comes with such passion and conviction because of what it's done for them. Mm -hmm. At the same time, the understanding is it's not about the label Hare Krishna or Christian or Hindu or left wing or right wing or gay or straight or that's all bodily conception of life. Mm. That's the body. The body is there. The body needs its needs and uh, fine act on the body's needs, but don't let, but don't waste the human form of life simply by playing on the body's needs mm. in the human form of life. You can evolve the purpose of life to evolve. Evolution has been mistaken to be outward material comforts. Spiritual life is about understanding first that evolution is about realizing yourself as spiritual as transcendent to this body and mind and then from that point 
there's a whole other world that opens up. Mm-hmm. But at first, we have to get to that point. Okay, I am not this body and mind. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a an interesting journey getting to that point for sure. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, yeah, figuring that out now, you know. But yeah, yeah. But so you know, you clearly gone like to the after this moment of awakening. You clearly gone on a journey to knowing yourself, getting deeper in touch with your your inner self. Um, healing what what healing was a big part of your journey you know was it what you're doing now or was there anything else what modality helped you most yeah well definitely mantra meditation um mantra meditation so the word mantra means mind and tra to release or could be interpreted as even as technology so you have levels of of awareness so the first level of awareness is the body okay i have a body wait, I'm not just this body, but I'm also the mind. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm not just this mind. Underneath this mind, I have what's called intelligence. Intelligence is wisdom, not, not intellect, not book smarts, but intelligence, which is like discernment. Mm. A, a very material example is you open up the fridge, you see the cake, you know, chocolate cake, or you see uh, the apple. The intelligence right away, you don't need, you don't need to, you know, a, a big life coach to tell you that the apple is the better choice, mm-hmm. right? Nothing wrong with getting a coach, by the way. I coach people too, right? So, but I'm just saying, like, like, just think about it. Your inherent intelligence knows this, is, this apple is a better choice. But then the mind, controlled by the senses, if it's out of control, takes over and says, but man, that chocolate cake going to taste good. Mm-hmm. Get that chocolate cake. And so if you are aware that I, am intel- I have intelligence and I exercise this muscle, you will make good choices. Karma is action and reaction. And that's a, a scientific law, right? Like for every action, there's an equivalent reaction. Well, that's a universal principle in law. So when you use intelligence, so you make intelligent financial choices. Yeah, yeah, I really want to get drunk and party tonight. But, you know, I, I, I only make X amount. So what I should do is I should show myself that I can handle what I do have really well. And if I handle what I do have really well, there's another law called the compound effect or the law of exponential returns, which is show God, the universe that I can do well with what I do have and make good, smart choices using my intelligence. And there will be opportunity that will open up to have more and to have more access to more resources. And so we have to at least exercise intelligent health choices, intelligent financial choices, intelligent sex and relationship choices, fellas. Get off of OnlyFans and, and, and whatever, Pornhub, and get, just, just get rid of all that crap, all right? Um, you know, uh, uh, and make good choices in all areas of our, li- our life. Now we're acting in intelligence. Then by, by natural realization, You'll say, well, if I'm acting by intelligence, I'm also not the intelligence because I can control the intelligence. So what is that aspect of me that is beneath even more aware than intelligence? <gasps> awareness. There's just sits awareness, pure awareness. It has no judgment. It has no, that's just awareness. It's just there. That's, that's who I am. I'm this consciousness. See, consciousness is a symptom of, but con- my consciousness is active. So it's not a void. I'm not just sitting in this void. There's an aspect of void, but Underneath that, there's this active principle, ah, the soul, the living spirit. And the living spirit is directly connected, as you'll realize, to a larger living spirit. That larger living spirit is all spiritual. 
Yeah. It has nothing. It is not of the, it, 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 this material down the layers, this material outward is simply the outward energy of that living spirit in which I am part and parcel of. But my real position is all spiritual. And that living thing is all spiritual. And that living thing is unlimited, has many names and unlimited qualities and attributes. And once we have faith and realization in that living spirit, then naturally it's reflective energy. The reflective world will reflect back what's in, what's in that there. So this world is reflection of that world. So, so a big part of your awareness that you've got right now came from mantra meditation. Was there anything else? Mantra, uh, mantra meditation, definitely the biggest thing. And uh, reading, um, reading uh, spiritual uh, knowledge from the Vedas. Obviously, I'm influenced by the Vedic knowledge. Um, and what I would say is, Ji uh, Gong has helped with realization of your subtle energies yeah. and yeah. sex energy. Yeah, Ji Gong's insanely powerful, man. Wow, that's cool. Ji Gong, from from an energy perspective, yeah, huge. Now, Jigong comes from the Taoist tradition, and they, they, their philosophy stops at the, the void. Everything comes from a void, where the Vedic philosophy says go, there is places beyond the void, and they can be realized through understanding the soul, the living entity, the, the spiritual spark. The... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Tell me about, I mean, we can, there's so much stuff here, man, we could just keep going, but I'm very mindful about time. What, yeah, yeah, which I'm loving. What do you, what about group, Nicola? What, how's that changed as you've changed? Say, say it again. Can you ask the question? What, what about your friend group? How has that changed as you've changed? <laughs> totally changed. Totally changed. Like, there's not this, not even this, not even, not even the same. In fact, some friends probably ran for the hills. I definitely lost friends. Um, mm. People can't so much relate. So, but I've made some, like, in general, people aren't interested in what I have to say. Like, they're interested in the semen retention stuff. Some guys, even most men, though, aren't really interested in that because they think that's just dumb. And most men are not willing to, like, they're not at the stage of their own conscious, consciousness where, they, where, where even the idea of self-control makes sense. Because it seems like you're eliminating the pleasures of life. And most people believe, even if it's not a conscious belief, by action, we can see that most people believe that the purpose of life is to please the body. Yeah. And your, so fr- when you, your friends didn't get it. No. Well, no, no. I mean, let's be real. Like Most people aren't getting that, right? Yeah. So that's why it's like, okay, so now... So they can't really get like, so, so yeah, my whole friend circle, social circle is changed. And now my social circle are other spiritual seekers and people who uh, are also going down some spiritual path. But I have many friends like uh, that are also not spiritual, but are kind of open to it or intrigued a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So, but yeah. And you're, and you're like, it's just you, you, you as you it's sort of like your values have changed you just have different conversations with people in those 
do you still have any old friends that come catch up with you now and like in like starting to shift themselves oh yeah yeah lots of people around me are shifting um because um well uh just like so well you know they have an example living example of what this work can do and i'm not giving my credit like saying that i'm their living example uh maybe for some i've inspired some um but then they see also the ripple effect like i look at my wife and her changes and now i see how like for instance my mother-in-law and father-in-law plug into my daily for the love of god series Mm -hmm. and they're jewish i was born catholic they're jewish we practice this Vedic way of spiritual, of understanding. And so um, I've seen people directly around me change and shift. I took a course called Landmark Education many, many years ago. And it was a very transformational course. After I took it, my mom took it. After my mom took it, my dad took it. Wow, that's really powerful. Because it's tangible. That's what I'm saying. I'm not talking about like, taking on some new belief. I'm talking about transformation, like Mm. literally like you're always going to be you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But really shifting consciousness, like in conscious awareness, again, it's not a, it's not a social shift. It's not like left, right. I now have conservative values or liberal values because actually you can see how both are beneficial, right? You, you, you're, you're, you're actually, your awareness is higher than the dualities so therefore you can see how the dualities fit together. So for an example, there is room for both conservative and social um, um, thinking because conservative thinking is needed because without any conservative thinking, this is what's happening now. We have so much, uh, the, the liberal way of thinking so dominates our culture that it's like, it's actually kind of like a bit of like, no one really has any direction. So what we have is a people very lost. They don't have a place. What, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? I don't know. I guess video games and television because it's just consume, 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 consume. So conservatism conserves some of the older, more what we'll call traditional values. For instance, family values would be considered like a conservative thing to talk about. But what, where the liberal part comes in is saying, well, let's have, let's have family values but now let's accept that family doesn't look the same as it did back in the day. And that's just what it is. There's, you know, we're not going to go back. Right. So a family may now be a man and a man or a woman and a woman or right. So you have room for, but, but the principle of family values should stay. You get, you get what I'm trying to say here. And I could like talk about a lot of things. Energy conservation is good. Yes, we should speak energy conservation. We should speak about it both in terms of our outer outer world, but also our inner world. Yeah. Sex is another one, right? Like there's so many, like there's so many things that where if we can actually see now, it's it's about evolving to a place where we go, it's not either or, it's both. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I like that, man. I, I feel that. What part of this whole journey that you've been on, brother, what part of this conscious journey you've been on, which part of it are you most grateful for? Oh, man. Like, it, it's, 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 I, I don't care. I can't put it to one thing. I'm most grateful that somehow 
I found a path and a tradition that excites me, works for me, resonates with me, and has done just great things in my life and are inspiring people around me. Mm. And I wish that everybody find that path, whatever that path may be for them. That's beautiful. That's beautiful, man. Last question for you. What's one tip you'd give your old self who's starting this journey? Just be more responsible. Just be just like, just you could have give a little, like uh, if I could go back, say it's worth the effort when you think it's not worth the effort. Mm. It's worth it. Put the effort in. You don't think it's worth it, but you don't know. You are not smart. So just put the effort into whatever you do. Whatever you do, put your best into it and see the magic that happens. Wow, brother. That's been a beautiful episode, man. What a what a what a very empowering episode. There's a lot of deep nuggets in there and I mean just it, it that's one of my deepest podcasts, to be honest. Like with your adding your your experience and and the way in your perspective on this world adding that all through those questions and there's a lot of questions that we uh i don't have in here that we went down so i appreciate your time man and for your energy to you know spend nearly an hour and 40 minutes with me uh, so i want to say thank you for that and then say and thank you for sharing that part of you man well thank you i appreciate the opportunity and the questions and it brought out a lot of cool things and uh, I just appreciate the work you're doing with men. It's, uh, it's uh, a nice service for the world. Thank you, my man. And uh, remember, men out there, semen retention is power. <laughs> that's, that's, that's this episode's quote. But we'll, uh, we'll have your, the coolest details in the Instagram handle um, in the show notes. So if you do want to reach out to either one of us, please do. I do love hearing more about what you got out of this episode and how it's impacted you. So please do reach out to either one of us and until next time, take care. Much love. And just be. I got love in my eyes, bro. I can't see. I'm gonna be who I'm destined to be. Wokeness is taking my old self away. Yeah, I put love into me. I'm spreading that love. Yo, don't you see? Grab your cacao and drink it with me. Cause wokeness is taking my old self away. Woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man. Bring love and just be. Woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, bring love and just be.